Hey, tonight we're going to be looking at Ezekiel 23. So probably my favorite chapter in Ezekiel is Ezekiel 16, which <clears throat> deals with uh, God's people's unfaithfulness to him. And the Lord gives an illustration of unfaithfulness to him. So we're going to look at a lot of statements about sexual immorality, but here's what you want to remember as we do. This is all allegory. The allegory is an example. And the example is people who say they're following the Lord. Hey, we're here to follow God. We want to be or do what God's asking us to be or do. But they're unfaithful to him. And so the way, the illustration that God gives us in mankind's unfaithfulness is one you and I can understand. Everyone, whether you're married or not married, everyone understands that no one likes unfaithfulness, right? Someone who said it was going to be you and them till the wheels fell off, and then the wheels fell off long before you were ready for the wheels to fall off. And so the Lord is going to give, he gives us two chapters in Ezekiel that focus on that. Ezekiel 16, which deals with the people's unfaithfulness in worship to God. And Ezekiel 23, where we're at tonight, which deals with the people's unfaithfulness to believe that God will help them. Rather than believing that God will help them, right, like we sang, I, here I raise my Ebenezer, I'm setting a memorial stone for the blessing of God's help as God delivered, so that I remember God's help for me in times of need. But the people, the children of Israel, they were always going somewhere else. They did not go to God for help. They went every place but God. And so, again, God gives us this illustration to describe the unfaithfulness of the children of Israel to seek to, to not seek help from the Lord. And God had shown them his deliverance, right? We have a whole Bible full of those stories. But rather to seek help everywhere else. And what we need to understand, when they would seek help from Egypt or Babylon or Assyria, that help always came with other gods. So you'd make an alliance with a nation, and then you'd have a treaty. You'd sign a treaty together. And as you signed your treaty, they would come, and they would celebrate whatever their national god was. And you were partnering together with the national god of whatever nation this was, and you were not, you were keeping Yahweh back in the corner somewhere. Not letting not having him in the forefront. And it said to Yahweh, said to the Lord God, you don't, you don't want my help. You want help from everywhere else. And that's the story of Ezekiel 23. So we look at it. <clears throat> it says, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, there are two women, the daughters of one mother. They played the whore in Egypt. They played the whore in their youth. Uh, there their breasts were pressed, their virgin bosoms were handled. Ahola was the name of the elder, Aholiba was the name of her sister. They became mine and they bore sons and daughters. As for their names, Ahola is Samaria and Holiba is Jerusalem. So we don't have to wonder what, the, what do they symbolize, who are these women. They represent cities. These aren't real women. But the descriptions are given symbolically so that we can understand how it is that God views our unfaithfulness. 
How does God see it? And he's putting it in terms, and honestly, they're very frank terms. So I'm not going to tell you all the words that are actually here. I'm going to try to keep it PG-13. We'll see. But as we go, here's what we want to understand. The two sisters are equal. Both sisters of one mother. One is the northern kingdom, the other the southern kingdom. Before they split into two, there was one nation, Israel. So the two sisters are equal. They're both sinful. They're going to talk a lot about sexual immorality, but the sexual immorality is all about their unfaithfulness, their idolatry, the alliances that they would make rather than going to the Lord for help. And they are symbolic. Ohola for Samaria, it means her tent. And Holiba means my tent is in her. If you remember, when Jesus met the woman at the well in Samaria, she had questions for him. Like the Jews say we should worship in their temple, but we say you should worship on this mountain. And Jesus told her, yeah, you guys are a little confused. They had a form of worship, my tent, the tabernacle, the, the temple would go by this name, that, that they had a place where they would go to worship, but it was not God. The northern kingdom broke off, didn't want their people to go south to worship at Jerusalem, so they built two golden calves, one at the north end of the country, one at the south end of the country, so the people would never have to go to Jerusalem. So the people in the northern kingdom, Samaria, had their own temple where they worshiped the golden calf. You guys remember that story, right? We go back to uh, the departure from Egypt, and as soon as they got uh, <clears throat> down to where the Lord was giving them the Ten Commandments, uh, Moses left for a little while, and immediately the people built a golden calf to worship to. So the northern kingdom is going to make this same reality. The other thing we want to see, look at the end there, verse 4, it says, they became mine. Now the one who's speaking is Yahweh. And God is saying, these sisters became my wife. The, the nation of Israel is often called the wife of Yahweh. That's why the illustrations of unfaithfulness are so important. In Ezekiel 16, you have a similar uh, concept, only Ezekiel 16 goes a little more into depth about the Lord uh, marrying uh, making covenant, right? When we marry somebody, we're making a covenant, aren't we? Right? We swear that until death do us part, that, that's what a marriage ceremony is all about. So we'd come to that, we'd make that covenant. Well, the covenant in this case that the Lord is talking about, he talks about in Ezekiel 16. Uh, if you look at verse 8 in Ezekiel 16, he says, When I passed by you and I saw you, behold, you were at the age for love. So I spread the corner of my garment over you, and I covered your nakedness. I made my vow, my promise to you, and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. So what did God do for his bride? Then I bathed you with water. I washed off your blood from you. I anointed you with oil. I clothed you with embroidered cloth. I shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen. I covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments. I put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, 
Your clothing was fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil, and you grew exceedingly beautiful, advanced to royalty. So in Ezekiel 16, when he describes his marriage, God's marriage to Israel, he describes it as this beautiful event wherein he's supplying her needs, everything that she needs. And she is taken from an unwanted child. In Ezekiel 16, he finds her in a field, just laying in a field. And rather than being an unwanted child, the Lord cared for her, raised her, married her, and made her queen. She advanced to royalty. And then here in Ezekiel 23, he says, and she bore children to me. So the children of Israel, right? We talk about it all the time. The nation of Israel is a nation made up of people and their children belong to the Lord. They were his children. So he goes on in verse five, he says, and Ahola played the whore while she was mine. So what is he describing? She, as his wife, cheated on him. She went out and slept with other men. She lusted after her lovers, Assyrian warriors. So she, she saw these Assyrian warriors. Now Assyrians are the very ones who destroy her. And this is going to be part of the formula that you're going to see in this illustration. That which she naturally was attracted to and loved and went for is the source of her own destruction. That's what destroyed her. Assyria. The Bible talks about this idea of falling in love with the world and the things, the lies that the world sells us on what we can have, what we can receive as a result of what the Lord gives. And this is exactly what's going on with her. She's attracted by the warriors of Assyria. They got all the cool clothes. They're, in their day, that was being clothed in purple. Governors and commanders, they had authority. All of them desirable young men, horsemen riding on horses. So she bestowed her whoring upon them, the choicest men of Assyria, all of them. She never turned anybody away. She cheated to the nth degree on Yahweh with the men of Assyria. It says in verse 8, she did not give up her whoring that she had begun in Egypt. In her youth, men had lain with her and handled her virgin bosom and poured out their lust upon her. Therefore, I delivered her into the hands of her lovers, into the hands of the Assyrians, after whom she lusted. So the Lord is saying, when he talks about what happened in Samaria, their unfaithfulness that was going on, what are the consequences? The consequences were God gave her to the ones that she was loving. He said, okay, you want the Assyrians, then the Assyrians are yours. But this is where the, the lies of the world come to bear. Because what the Assyrians wanted with her was not to bestow upon her fine robes and to take care of her and to give her flour and to elevate her. No. All the Assyrians wanted was a prostitute. And that's how they treated her. In fact, the scripture goes on to describe it. Therefore... Uh, they uncovered her nakedness. They, they seized her sons, her daughters, and as for her, they killed her with a sword. And she became a byword among women when judgment had been exe executed upon her. So remember, Ahola is a city. The city is Samaria. And 150 years earlier than Ezekiel's time, 
Assyria conquered the northern kingdom. The people that Samaria reached out to for help, hey, Assyria, Assyria, help us out, are the ones who destroyed them. You know, how many of you know from history that there's lots of times where nations made promises to each other that they didn't keep, right? If we look at our own nation, for example, how many promises did we break to, to the natives of the United States of America? How many promises did we break? How many, how many did we make and then break and then make and then break? Sometimes they're broke before they sign the paper. So this is exactly what the Lord is talking about. Hey, you're going there for help. You're not coming to me and what they want is your destruction. Now we're going to see the sister. Verse 11, her sister Oholiba saw this. So, you know, you, you guys, we all learn from our siblings, don't we? We learn, we, I remember, oh, I don't remember because my siblings were all younger. So my brothers all learned from me. And uh, what they learned was to be sneakier, not to be better. They didn't learn that, you know, touch and fire was hot. They learned that if I'm going to touch the fire, I need to do it when mom and dad aren't looking. And that's the same thing with Aholiba. Aholiba, look what she does. She says, she saw this and she became worse more corrupt than her sister in her lust and her whoring, which was worse than that of her sister. She lusted after Assyrians, governors, commanders, warriors, clothed in, in full armor, horsemen riding on horses, all of them desirable young men, and I saw that she was defiled. They both took the same way. Northern kingdom, southern kingdom, both went the same way. The whole book of Proverbs, a book about wisdom, is a description about two paths. A path that leads to life and a path that leads to death. The path of the fool and the path of the wise. And the call from Proverbs is to choose. We, we get to choose what path will you walk. Will you walk the path of the wise man that leads to life? Or will you walk the path of the fool that leads to death? And we know something about those two paths, right? A fool has said what? There is no God. And the wise wisdom was with God at the beginning of creation. So we see the picture laid out. Which path will you took? The Lord says they both walked the same path. So there's three parts to Aholiba, to Jerusalem's treachery. The first part we just read is about Assyria. The Assyrians, but she's not satisfied just with the Assyrians. Samaria, they were, they were, their problem was just with Assyria. But Jerusalem, she fell in love with Assyria and made deals with Assyria. But she also had affairs with Babylon, and then she had affairs with Egypt. It des describes it in verse 14. But she carried her whoring further. This is Jerusalem. She saw men portrayed on the wall, the images of the Chaldeans. So she's seeing a poster. Just like today, the picture is she sees a picture on the wall where we might see a poster of a band or, or you know, another country or some, some way other people are living. And they look, she looked at it and she said, man, I want what they have. I want that. I want to have that lifestyle. I want to live, you know, that way. I want to enjoy that kind of a thing. And so she looks at it. She says, man, this is what I want. 
She describes it. They're wearing belts on their waist and flowing turbans on their head. And all of them have the appearance of officers, the idea of authority, power, the likeness of Babylonians whose native land was Chaldea. So when she saw them, she lusted after them and sent messengers to them in Chaldea. So she reaches out to them. They don't come to her. She reaches out to them and she invites them to come. And so the Babylonians came to her into the bed of her love. And they defiled her with her whoring lust. And after she was defiled by them, she turned from them in disgust. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Here's the reality. She, she's already been with Assyria. Now she's been with the Babylonians. And while she's still in the same bed with the Babylonians, she starts to think about the Egyptians. The idea is that her mind is already turning to the next thing the next opportunity, the next thing that's going to satisfy. And what the Lord is portraying for Jerusalem in her day, given by Ezekiel to a bunch of refugees that are outside of Babylon, what the Lord is trying to describe is all the things where mankind will run to and flee to to find satisfaction or help, and, the, and they, leave, they leave them wanting something else. It's not enough. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't satisfy. My, I'm going to tell a story on my wife since she's camping. So she can't tell me not to do it. And every once in a while, i got to give you guys a little bit of the real scoop on Kathy. So when we were, we dated in high school, and then after uh, high school, we broke up for a while. And it wasn't until our 20s we got back together, but during that time, Kathy was dating a drug dealer, famous drug dealer in Yukaipa, and uh, she, she, she might kill me later, but, but this guy, he had good, good stuff, and he, so he would give her, uh, so first time she ever had cocaine was from this guy, and so she used cocaine, and when she used it, the one thing that she remembered above all things is it was the single most incredible feeling she ever had. And then she never had that again. Ever. And it's the same stuff from the same guy for that same, but there's, there's the problem is there's a promise of something that make you feel good, but the reality is what do we know that it's doing? It's killing you. Because we've all, maybe we all haven't seen it, but you've all seen uh, crackheads, right? Where does that road end? It's not a pretty end, is it? No, man, that's, that's not a pretty end. It's a promise of something good, but, but the reality is not that. And then what do you do? You spin, you spin your wheel trying to chase that same feeling. But that's the lie. That's the lie that the devil's been selling all along. So she, this Jerusalem, she, she was looking, already thinking of the next person that she would sleep with. When she carried on her whoring so openly, flaunted her nakedness, I turned in disgust. This is God. I turned in disgust from her the same way I turned from her sister. So God, as a faithful husband who has supplied all of her needs, taking care of her, giving her all the things that she wants, is now so disgusted by her flagrant unfaithfulness. 
And the picture that's being painted in Ezekiel 23, and I don't want you to miss it, the picture that's being painted is literally his wife, God's wife, Jerusalem, is walking down the street naked, grabbing any guy on the side of the road. Ezekiel 16 talks about she set her bed on the corner of the street, her canopy over it, and sat there naked inviting every man who passed by. And so the Lord says, I, I'm disgusted by your unfaithfulness. Now the reason he uses this kind of language and illustration is that we can stop taking our view like, oh yeah, I was unfaithful to God, but it's a little thing. It's not a little thing to God. That's a big thing. And it's not a little thing to us, right, in our earthly relationships when someone's unfaithful. It's a, that's a big deal. And so the Lord's turning away from her. And this attraction that she had was all lies perpetrated by other nations, other places, promising things they couldn't deliver. And that's the lie of the world. 1 John 2, verse 15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. should just meditate on that for a minute. If anyone loves the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And all that is in the world, here's the description of what is in the world. The desires of the flesh, the things my body wants, the desires of the eyes, the things I like to look at, and the pride of life. These three are not from the Father, but they are from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So the, the application for us is we, are, we experience the same thing. All these other things in the world that we think are going to be our source of help. I, the Bible says that the, the joy of the Lord is my strength, but... There are some of us who think I can only have joy if I'm drunk or I'm high. Or I can only have joy if I find the right woman or the right man. I, I can't find joy in the Lord. The Lord, there's no joy there. Then we have bought the lie of the world. The lie of the world that says, hey, this is better. This will satisfy even in the midst of all of those desires, all those ways our brain thinks, there's no shortage of people who have had it all who will shout from the top of the mountains, nothing makes me happy. Or they'll write a letter, nothing makes me happy. Or a book, nothing made me happy. Because the word of God would declare that that joy is going to come from the Lord. Verse 19 and 21, now she turns her eyes to Egypt. She increased her whoring, remembered the days of her youth when she played the whore in the land of Egypt and lusted after her lovers there, whose members are like those of donkeys, whose issue is like that of horses. Thus you longed for the lewdness of your youth when the Egyptians handled your bosom and pressed your young breasts. She kept after thinking it's the next one. It's the next one, the next guy, the next nation, the next alliance, the next thing. That's going to do it. That's going to do it. And all the while, she was getting further 
and further from the Lord. Remember, this is the city, Jerusalem. Therefore, O O Holiba, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will stir up against you your lovers from whom you have turned in disgust, and I will bring against you from every side the Babylonians and the Chaldeans, Pekod, Shoah, Koah, all the Assyrians with them, desirable young men, governors, commanders, officers, men of renown, all of them riding horses. And they will come against you from the north with chariots and wagons and a host of peoples. And they will set themselves against you on every side with buckler, shield, and helmet. And I will commit the judgment to them, and they will judge you according to their judgments. So all the people, all the lovers, it's, not only was she unfaithful to God, she was unfaithful to Assyria and unfaithful to Babylon and unfaithful to Egypt. She's unfaithful to everybody. And the one thing that occurred from all of that is they all hate her. So they all want to destroy her. So the Lord says, you didn't want me. You didn't want my protection, my provision. So I'll turn you over to the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. We'll read about that next week in chapter 24 when they come. He said, I will direct my jealousy against you that, that they may deal with you in fury. So the Lord says, I'm going I'm to put my jealousy against you. Now the Bible says, God says, his name is jealousy. Because God wants how much of your heart? This is not new, right? What is the greatest commandment? That you would love the Lord your God with half your heart. A quarter. How about this? Let's say that you find the person of your dreams, whatever the person of your dreams is, and they promise to love you with a quarter of their heart. Are you stoked? You're like, oh, man, finally, finally, I, I've, I've found just the right one, and she loves me a little. Or do we want someone who loves us with our whole heart? That's what the Lord says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now listen to what he says. So I'm giving you to them that they will deal with you in fury. And listen, they will cut off your nose and your ears. Now you might say, that's weird. Well, not if you were a Babylonian or an Assyrian or an Egyptian. If you were a Babylonian, Assyrian, or an Egyptian, and you were unfaithful, you were an adulterer, they didn't paint an A on your shirt. They didn't stitch an A on your sweater. They cut off your nose. That way, whenever you saw somebody without a nose coming, you knew, oh, that person's unfaithful. Or they cut off your ears so that when people saw you, they would know that person is unfaithful. And so this is what those nations did. Those nations to whom she turned for help. He goes on, they will seize your sons, your daughters, your survivors will be devoured by fire. They will strip you of your clothes, take away your jewels. Those are jewels God gave her. Thus, I will put an end to your lewdness, your whoring that began in Egypt, <coughs> so that you will not lift up your eyes to them. So the, per the point behind it all is the Lord is saying, look, you want the world. Let me just stand back here and let you have the world. What does Paul tell us to do? Paul tells us that if we have a brother caught up in sin, that we put him out to the world. That the world would destroy his flesh so that his soul 
will be saved. Because what? He needs to, they need to, this person needs to learn that the world has a promise that it doesn't keep. The Lord has promises that he does keep. So he says, I want you to learn to lift your eyes up to me. We lift our eyes up to the mountains. Where does our help come from? My help comes from you, Lord, maker of heaven, creator of all the earth. This is the goal that the Lord is headed for. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I will deliver you into the hands of those whom you hate, into the hands of those whom you turned in disgust. Each one that she had been with after they slept with her, she was disgusted by them and went on. And they shall deal with you in hatred and take away all the fruit of your labor. They will leave you naked and bare, and the nakedness of your whoring will be uncovered. Your lewdness and your whoring have brought this upon you because you played the whore with the nations, defiled yourself with their idols. You have gone the way of your sister. Therefore, I will give her cup to your hand. Thus says the Lord God, you will drink your sister's cup. It's deep and large, and you will be laughed at and held in derision, for it contains much. You will be filled with drunkenness and sorrow, a cup of horror and desolation, the cup of your sister Samaria. And you will drink it and drain it out and gnaw its shards and tear your breasts. For I have spoken, declares the Lord God. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have forgotten me, cast me behind your back. You will bear the consequences of your lewdness and whoring. What, listen, don't, don't separate this sentence apart. Because you have forgotten me, cast me behind you. You've thrown me away. You've cast me aside. Then you must bear the consequences. Now that's going to matter as we wrap things up at the end. Just hold on to that idea. The Lord said to me, to Ezekiel, Son of man, will you judge Ahola and Aholiba? Declare to them their abominations, for they have committed adultery and blood is on their hands. So they're unfaithful and they're murderers. With their idols they have committed adultery. They have even offered up to them for food their own children whom they bore to me. So the sacrifice of their own children um, on the altars of idols. Moreover, this they have done to me. They have defiled my sanctuary on the same day. So what he's describing is these women, and this is usually how this works, uh, the, the, the illustration, these women, unfaithful women, sleeping with all these men, they get pregnant. Well, what should I do with the baby? Well, I, I'm not really looking to have a baby, so the baby doesn't really matter to me. So they'll sacrifice them. They could offer them. That's, that's how they did it in that world. Uh, it's not that much different how we do it in ours. And they offer them on the offering to these idol idols. And now they don't have a child to take care of. But then they would leave that place and go to the sanctuary and give offering to Yahweh. And he's like, what are you doing here? Joshua, as he stood before the people after the conquest, he told them, each of you have to choose this day whom you will serve, right? You're either going to serve me or serve some other God. And in this case, they were unfaithful 
serving other gods and then coming to the Lord and profaning his house. And behold, this is what they did in my house, their disobedience. They even sent for men to come from afar to whom a messenger was sent. And behold, they came and for them they bathed and they painted their eyes. They adorned themselves with ornaments. They sat on a nice stately couch. They had a table spread out before it on which they put my incense and my oil. The sound of a carefree multitude was with her and with men of the common sort, drunkards who were brought in from the wilderness. And they put bracelets on the hands of the women and beautiful crowns on their head. These strange men are giving to the wife of God the same things that God had done for her. For they have gone into her as men go into a prostitute. Thus they went into a hola and holiba, lewd women. But righteous men will pass judgment on them with the sentence of adulteress and with the sentence of women who shed blood, murderous, because they are adulteresses and blood is on their hands. For thus says the Lord God, bring up a vast host against them, make them an object of terror and plunder, and the host will stone them, cut them down with their swords, kill their sons and their daughters, and burn up their houses. Thus will I put an end to the lewdness in the land. That all women may take warning not to commit lewdness as you have done, that they may return uh, the lewdness upon you, and you shall bear the penalty for your sinful idolatry, and then you will know that I am the Lord. The difference between Ezekiel 23 and Ezekiel 16 is how they end. Ezekiel 23 is going to end like this. Okay, so this is coming. Judgment is coming. Now, remember, we're talking about two cities. Jerusalem is about to be invaded by the Babylonians. The Babylonians are going to conquer them because of their unfaithfulness to God, because of the acts that they have done. But I want you to remember what I told you to remember before. When the Lord said, because you have forgotten me and you cast me behind your back, you must bear the consequences. So Babylon is going to come. There's no deliverance. Babylon will conquer and the people of Israel will become slaves. But the Lord said this at the end of Ezekiel 16. He said, but I will establish my covenant with you. If you read the book of Hosea, we don't have too much time to get into it. If you read the book of Hosea, the Lord says to Hosea, I want you to go marry a prostitute. Hosea goes and marries a prostitute. She's unfaithful to him. She leaves him and goes back to prostitution. After she goes back to prostitution, some time has passed. The Bible doesn't tell us how long. The Lord says to Hosea, they don't want your wife no more. They've cast her out. She's not good to them anymore. She's not bringing money like she used to or whatever. She's cast out in the street. I want you to go back and get her. So Hosea goes back and gets her, pays the price for her. I think it's 15 shekels of silver, if I remember right, which is less than a slave who's been gored by an ox. So they didn't think much of her. Hosea bought her, brought her back, put a robe on her, made her part of the family again. At one time, Gomer, that was her name, had turned her back on Hosea. But now Hosea was redeeming her. 
the end of chapter 16, the Lord says, I will establish my promise with you, my covenant, and you will know I am the Lord, so that you may remember and be confounded, blown away, and never open your mouth again because of your shame when I atone for you. How is it that all that sin is going to be washed away? A cup is going to be placed into Jesus' hands, and he will say, Shall I not drink the cup my Father has given me? Now, Samaria and Jerusalem, they faced their own judgments, but the Lord Jesus Christ, he's drinking the cup of the wrath of God for the sin of the world. He is drinking that cup, atoning for them. And he says, you will never open your mouth again. Your faithfulness will, will come. You won't open your mouth because of the shame when you realize I have paid for your sin. You will know all that I have done for you declares the Lord God. The Lord is the great deliverer. He finishes the promise. Not like the world gives. His giving is better. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time that we can gather together, Lord, for an opportunity to Study your word, Lord, and, and not only that, God, but to, to praise your name, to honor you. Lord, we pray that, God, you would be uh, glorified and magnified in this place because we definitely want to honor you. We want you, Lord, to be the forefront of our, of our vision, that you are the one. You're the reason we build the memorial stone so that we can remember the Lord delivered me. He was with me. And I don't want to turn my back on the Lord. I don't want to turn away from what he gives. And so the psalmist would sit down and he would pen together this, this psalm that makes a declaration that even in this time as I, as I look out before me and I recognize that there's things I need. I need to be delivered. I need God for you to be here with me, to, to lead me to the place that you want me to be. Lord, I, I'm here. I'm not looking somewhere else. I recognize I am a sinner saved by grace. And so, Lord, as I stand before you, I cry to you. And I ask that you would hear my cry and I will stay in this place and wait for you until you come. Not looking for deliverance anywhere else, just from you. God, be glorified in this place as we enter into a time of fellowship. Lord, we pray that you would Bless each and every one who has been a part. In Jesus' name, amen.